My mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. You alone are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It is great to be here with you. It's great to be actually in church um, with God's people and, and seeing faces uh, to deliver a sermon. Um, one thing you probably should know about me is that I am my mailman's hero, I think. Um, let, let me explain. I know that's random. So a few years ago, we moved. Uh, we were at Christ Church Plano in Texas. I served there with Father Tripp Prince, um, who was here, and Jay Wright was right down the street in Dallas. But we moved back from Texas uh, to Athens, Georgia, where my wife and I had gone to school uh, to begin the work of planting what's now St. Thomas Anglican Church. And it's fun when you're planting a church, your office hours are all over the place. And so I started exercising each day in the late morning, uh, jogging very slowly, very slowly around my neighborhood and the adjoining streets. And I started to notice every day I would see the mailman. And I would be, you know, kind of jogging by and we'd make eye contact and nod or wave, something like that. No big deal, right? Uh, one afternoon, our doorbell rings, and the mailman is there with a package. And so I took the package, and he said, I've been wanting to meet you and talk with you for some time. I thought, okay, here we go. Maybe this is a divine appointment. You get those in church planting. I, I don't know what's going on here. And he, said, he started sharing a little bit about his story. Um, he was a military veteran. He had recently returned from serving overseas in Iraq. Um, and he said it, it's not been an easy transition for him. Um, he's, he's really struggled. He said he put on a lot of weight. He had some injuries and things coming back uh, from Iraq. Uh, but now things were getting better. He says he has started exercising again. He's running. He's feeling better. He's getting back into shape. And he told me that I was his inspiration. I got very excited about this. And he goes on to say, every day, I would see you out exercising, and I figured, hey, if that guy could do it, <laughs> look at how difficult it seems for him, that anybody could do it, uh, even me. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. I don't know. Um, today, uh, we're marking Mission Sunday and Epiphany. Again, it's good to be here at Grace Anglican, and we're going to look at the Great Commission, a well-known passage from Matthew 28. I want to talk a little bit about my approach to mission, evangelism, discipleship, church planting. Um, and my hope is that once you hear a little bit about our work, I'd love for you to have a similar outlook as our mailman. Um, well, if that guy can do it, or, or better yet, if God can, can work through him and work through his team, then anybody can do it. This isn't just for special Christians. This is for all of God's people uh, to engage in God's mission and to be used by the Lord and join him uh, on mission. It's for all of us. And it's something that we do best when we work together. So a little context for the Great Commission. You probably know it's at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, which means it's after the death and resurrection of our Lord. Uh, it occurs in the context of worship, and it sounds like a lot of our worship services. Uh, Matthew tells us in the text that they worshiped him, and some believed and some doubted. Um, there are unbelievers present, there are faithful ones present, and the Lord decides to give his final instructions in the Gospel of Matthew. I think it's worth knowing that the Great Commission, 
um, evangelism, discipleship, church planting, global missions, uh, they don't begin with a program or a strategy. Uh, Those are certainly important, but it starts with worship of the risen Lord Jesus, who sends his people out and will send the Holy Spirit to indwell and empower the church to carry out this work. And indeed, even the Spirit goes ahead of us in this work, and we follow his leading. Bishop Leslie Newbegin once said, mission begins with a kind of explosion of joy. The news that the rejected and crucified Jesus is alive is something that cannot possibly be suppressed. It must be told. Who could be silent about such a fact? He says, the mission of the church in the pages of the New Testament is like the fallout from a vast explosion, a radioactive fallout which is not lethal, but life-giving. And so as we approach this passage, I wanna walk through just three kind of questions um, as we go through it. Um, The first one would just be the question, going or making? What is at the heart of the Great Commission? Uh, Probably in your, I think you guys have the English Standard Version, there's the Pew Bible. Uh, First word is go, right? Sounds like a command, sounds pretty simple uh, to go. And it's fairly natural, we're supposed to reach all the nations, well then there's somewhere we go to. Um, That makes a lot of sense to us, so we often emphasize the idea of being sent. And again, every Christian is sent by the Lord. Uh, This goes back all the way to Genesis. We had our reading about uh, Abram, later renamed Abraham, who was called to go, uh, to leave everything, trusting only the Lord and to follow where God sent him. Think about it. In the New Testament, the incarnation of the Son, Jesus himself, Um, is a version of being sent. Um, The Word who was with God, the Word who was God, was sent. John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The earliest impulse of the church is to go out. Acts 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Um, Don't try to do this without the Holy Spirit, in other words. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So there's this very real idea of being sent and of going. Um, and some people are called to go great distances in the Great Commission. But I think we can actually get a little preoccupied with going. I think there's part of us, especially when we think about maybe a mission Sunday, that we go, okay, the Great Commission involves suitcases and, and moving trucks and airplanes and, and passports. You guys have a great passport here showing all the ways um, to reach the nations and to go. And you guys partner with ministries here and near and out to the nations. Um, You support them with your prayers and your financial investment. Um, Folks like us who you've partnered with, we're so grateful for your prayers and your investment um, and in your support. But you you may know this, that go is not actually a command in this passage. There's actually only one main command that Jesus gives, and it's to make disciples. And the other things that sound logical to us, going, baptizing, teaching, um, those hang off this basic idea of making disciples. That's the key thrust, make disciples uh, as you go. And that may mean that you go to India or to Turkey, and it may mean as you go to the grocery store or as you go to the park uh, for a play date. In all of these places, 
uh, pick your head up and be attentive to what the Lord is doing and how you might reach and interact and bless those around us. And so the second thing to me that hangs off that, making disciples, is just are we talking about evangelism or are we talking about uh, discipleship, formation? Um, The church that I'm privileged to lead, St. Thomas Anglican Church, uh, I would say 70, 75%. uh, This is their first Anglican church they've ever been a part of. Uh, For most of them, they've never been in a liturgical church at all. Um, They're unchurched or they're de-churched. Maybe they grew up in a very evangelical tradition and and they're enjoying the structure and liturgy of worship. Uh, Or maybe they grew up in a very structured Roman Catholic setting and they're enjoying the vibrancy of the Holy Spirit in our midst. But it's pretty new for everyone, which means that if you talk about these big church terms, evangelism, discipleship, missions, everyone has a preconceived notion. Uh, We have most denominations represented uh, in our church. We have a number of campus ministries and parachurch ministries and folks who work with college students and high school students. Um, They're all present. And so I think it just helps to stop for a moment and ask, what are we talking about here? Um, Are we talking about evangelism or discipleship? And, And when people hear those terms, what comes to mind? Um, Like, I want to kindly share uh, an example of evangelism that a lot of folks in in our town think about. Um, A few years ago, my wife, Holly, she was at the grocery store. Um, She was checking out, and this very nervous lady came up to her. Um, And she had in her hand what we later found out was a gospel tract. Um, And she was going to give that to my wife, and she wanted to make sure that we were Christians. Um, She went to a, a kind of a... Uh, interesting, pretty sectarian church in town, but she was doing what she felt was necessary uh, to obey the Great Commission. And my wife told the story, it cracked me up because uh, my wife began sharing with her, yes, thank you for sharing the gospel with me. Uh, I'm a Christian. Um, Actually, my husband is a pastor in town. And the lady got pretty relieved because this awkwardness was being diffused And then my wife messed up because we're in the South in Georgia. She said, yeah, he's an Anglican priest. And she said, this lady's face just went, okay, better safe than sorry. I need to give them this gospel tract (laughs) to make sure they know the Lord. Um, I don't know about here in Florida. Where we are in Athens, the Anglican church is pretty new. Um, There's not a lot of uh, good or bad baggage um, with it. It's It's a pretty new thing. Um, so better safe than sorry here. Take the track, and then she quickly left. Uh, have you been a, anyone know that drive-by evangelism, I like to call it? Um, yeah, you probably experienced drive-by evangelism. Um, and, and maybe you've had someone say, hey, this is the best way to do it. Uh, none of our methods are perfect, right? All of our methods require the Lord to work in our foolishness. Uh, but I, I don't know that that drive-by approach is the route we want to go. Um, Some people, that's what they think of. When you say, go make disciples, they go, oh, no. He's going to put a guilt trip on us, and it's going to be awkward, and they're going to ask me to talk to people who don't want to talk back and do drive-by evangelism. Um, I don't think that's what's going on. I don't think this has to be awkward or forced. Um, I actually think this isn't something we have to do ourselves. This isn't just a calling to personal evangelism. That's part of it. But it's something we do together, and it's something that whole churches are part of, and we use different gifts in the body to accomplish making disciples. Um, I'm very grateful for, I was counting up this morning, 
almost 25 years of connection with a ministry called Young Life. Um, I came to the Lord Jesus uh, through Young Life when I was in college, or I'm sorry, in high school, my sophomore year. And then in, my, in college, I trained as a Young Life leader. University of Georgia has this great program where they take freshmen and they spend a year going over the basics of the faith and going over what it means to be on mission uh, today, here and now. And I probably go back to that training. It was more formative than any of the classes in seminary uh, on how to do ministry. Um, right now, we have Young Life leaders and staff at our church. I'm on the committee, the kind of adult support, uh, the Friends of Young Life in Athens. And uh, they lean in Athens on this verse from 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. Paul writes, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. And I think that's so key. Any work we do in evangelism, discipleship, church planting, global missions, it's rooted in the great commandment and the great commission our love for our neighbors. This isn't a drive-by approach. Um, We love God and we love people. We're we're not trying to trick them. Um, We're not trying to to reach targets. Um, We are looking to share the most important news in the world with our beloved neighbors and friends and family. And we start there. Uh, Archbishop William Temple said to evangelize is to so present Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that men and women shall come to put their faith in God through him, to accept him as their savior and to serve him as their king in the fellowship of the church. Now, there's a, a church component to this for sure. Um, and to me, that's what the evangelistic aspect of the Great Commission entails. Just simply sharing with others about his way, his work, and his welcome and inviting them to follow Jesus and join us in the fellowship of the church. This, of course, naturally carries into discipleship or formation, apprenticeship to Jesus. Um, And again, I know for some, discipleship is a code word for the optional extra stuff you do uh, when you become a Christian, but it doesn't appear as optional in the New Testament. It doesn't appear as optional uh, in the Great Commission. We make disciples. It's an open-ended project. It's an open-ended process where people are invited to become Christians, taught the ways of the kingdom, and then invited to be part of it, to participate in the mission of God. And I've come to be convinced that one of the best, uh, most natural ways we do this together is by planting new congregations um, and supporting the planting of new congregations. Um, And and that may be interesting. In the passage, we see, uh, go and make disciples of all the nations. Do you see anything about planting churches here? Um, We don't see it directly here in Matthew 28, but if we read the Acts of the Apostles, which is how the early church carried this out, all we see them doing is planting churches. Most of our New Testament uh, is written by an apostle to a church plant, essentially. They, They did this by forming communities of followers of God. So that's my third question, new churches or global missions, new churches or all nations. Um, That's, yes, we want both of these. Uh, But church planting especially is finally, thanks be to God, uh, becoming normal and expected for Anglicans. Um, That healthy Anglican churches plant other healthy Anglican churches. 
Um, Tim Keller, who uh, he served at Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, New York for uh, decades, has written extensively, and they have the Redeemer City to City Network, uh, planting churches all over the world. I think actually Dan Wolf is part of their program of training and did some assessment with Redeemer City to City. Uh, Tim Keller says the vigorous, continual planting of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy for number one, the numerical growth of the body of Christ in any city, and second, the continual renewal and revival of the existing churches in a city. Nothing else, not crusades, outreach programs, parachurch ministries, growing megachurches, congregational consulting, church renewal processes, will have the consistent impact of dynamic, extensive church planting. And Tim Keller says, this is an eyebrow-raising statement, but to those who have done any study at all, it is not controversial. Sometimes our evangelism is one-on-one. Most often, people encounter a community. They encounter a group of friends, and they begin assessing the claims of the gospel in light of that. Bishop Leslie Newbegin says, how is it possible that the gospel should be credible? How do people believe this? How are they convinced? He says the only answer, the only hermeneutic of the gospel, how they interpret and understand it, is a congregation of men and women who believe it and live by it. In our life together as the body of Christ, we proclaim the gospel. And people look to all of us um, to interpret the claims of the gospel in the way of the kingdom. And so one of the fundamental first steps is to start churches that are all about the gospel, filled with people who believe it and live by it. In order to make disciples, we must be committed disciples, captivated by the love and grace and mercy of the risen Lord. And we have to love our neighbors who are near and our neighbors who are far. New churches or global missions, yes. The Bible presents God as one who longs to bless all nations to be known by all nations, for all nations to worship him in the beauty of holiness and through the beauty of their diversity and the diverse gifts and characteristics they bring. Uh, That story of the spread of the early church in the book of Acts, um, what we think of as church history now, is this amazing story of obedience to the Great Commission. And the first followers of Jesus spread out into the entire known world, loving Uh, proclaiming the gospel, starting new churches. They proclaim the gospel to friends and family. They proclaim the gospel to coworkers. They proclaim the gospel to those above them, beside them, or below them in the socioeconomic ladder of that first century. Friends, they proclaim the gospel to people that they had historically hated and people who had historically and previously hated them. And some of that animosity was ongoing. And the gospel comes and breaks down those walls of hostility and hatred and animosity. And so something to consider as we close. Uh, By and large, Christianity as we know it today is the result of obedience to the Great Commission. Uh, Mike mentioned, you, you have experienced the gospel because someone shared it with you. You've been part of a community where the gospel is lived and taught and known. Bishop Leslie Newbegin again says, the church exists as a global fellowship now present in almost every part of the world. And so all thinking about the world mission of the church today must thankfully and joyfully take account of the fact that the home base of missions 
is now nothing less than a worldwide community. Nothing less than a worldwide community. Growing up, I thought mission, uh, missions only meant ministry to the nations. Those called and sent as missionaries or those who went on short-term mission trips, those are great. And we should honor how the Lord calls and equips us to do that. But mission isn't just something you do uh, when you take two weeks of vacation. Mission isn't just something to do when you load a suitcase or, or get your passport out. Uh, mission is what we do in our everyday life. And speaking of the nations, the diversity of peoples, um, you probably know this, here in North America, um, we're definitely called to go a lot of times on an airplane. But right now, the nations have come here. Uh, you can walk out your front door and reach the nations. Um, where I am in Athens, Georgia, at UGA, uh, there are students and faculty and staff from 125 different countries. Students and adults and families, many of them uh, who are not Christians. And so we're prayerfully thinking about ways to reach them as part of fulfilling this great commission to all the nations. Um, our church, we're also looking at a partnership in the Diocese of Japasoa in Brazil, part of our global Anglican family. You see, we actually want to copy you guys. We, we actually want to have um, a holistic view of mission where we're excited about going all around the nation and we're excited about God's mission here and now. We're excited about evangelism. We're excited about formation. We're excited about global missions and we're excited about planting churches. I want to commend you on that mature, holistic, God-honoring perspective uh, on the Great Commission. And then I also want to challenge you um, to think about how you can be more aware of the nations here on our doorstep. Um, most of you are, are probably called here. That's why you're here. That's why you live in, in Fleming Island, these surrounding communities. Um, who is God calling you to reach that's in your sphere of influence? And then as you look through the mission passport and you look at the groups you guys partner with, uh, what's God calling you to do? Spend some time prayerfully discerning um, what stirs your heart? What taps into skills and gifts and talents the Lord has given you? Where is your passion to see the mission of God go forward? Um, you have lots of opportunities for that. And you can be part of it. You can pray for it. You can give, support it financially. Uh, but start with that. Spend some time in prayer discerning where the Lord is calling you to give, where the Lord is calling you to serve. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. You can remain seated.